<coughs> Hello and welcome back to episode four of the Living Room Chat podcast with Ryan and Matt. Hello, how are we doing, bud? Mate, I am all good. Finally, over us, uh, we both been here, haven't we? I really, yeah. I'm glad I finally feel okay after two weeks of just feeling really, really bad. Yes, um, we always do it in the UK, but everyone's like, oh, there's a bug going around, there's something going around, isn't there? Normal conversation, normal conversation. <laughs> first thing, you meet someone, the first thing you say is, oh, I've, yeah, I've been ill recently, and they say, yeah, there's loads going around. There's a bug going around. And the there? other thing is, God, it's cold, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is fucking freezing. Genuinely, it's cold. You know, I was telling you earlier, I can't see my smart meter, but yeah, £10 a day on gas at the moment. Yeah, that's mental. It's yeah. a lot. I saw, some, I saw another one of that on one of the um, Facebook groups that actually Lauren showed me that someone was paying, like, yeah, I think it was more than that. It was like 13 or £14 pound per day. Yeah. That's like 400 quid bills a month. <laughs> that's a lot of money, isn't it? I don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah, that's not funny, is it? But, but, um, otherwise... You know, recovered. Finally, yeah. finally caught the coronavirus a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it took you took you long enough, didn't it? Two and a half years. I was like, I'm immune. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have a perfect immune system. I can fight off anything. Yeah, it's the third time I've had had um, had COVID. Yeah, yeah, and third it was time. third yeah. time. Yeah, and it was definitely the worst. Yeah, like, I, felt I felt so bad. Wasn't I it? felt so bad, but because yeah. I like. Obviously, it's been a massive part of our lives for the last few years. Like everyone's lives, COVID this, COVID that. I genuinely didn't think it was a thing anymore. No. Like, I know it sounds really foolish. I know a lot of people have suffered with it, but and, and it's been an issue. But I genuinely didn't even think. I just thought I had a flu. I thought it was a severe, yeah. severe state of man flu. Well, and I feel like the whole world, the world was carrying on, right? Everyone had their jabs or didn't have their jabs, and it was like, right, we're carrying on. Yeah. Um, it's exactly that. And you didn't, you didn't even think, I didn't even think it would have been that. But yeah, um, yeah tested straight up with the old double line, and phew, there we go. Yeah. Out of action for a week, but generally out of action. I was so ill. I hadn't missed like putting the things up your nose. You can't. You missed it. Well, I hadn't missed it. Oh, you no, hadn't missed it. Like, I was going to say I hadn't really. done one in like six months, and all of a sudden that horrible feeling. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Poking Absolutely. your brain. There we go. Anyway, no anyway. ideal. But other than that, yeah, I'm all good. I'm looking forward to Christmas. Yeah, like we're recording this, we've got like nine days to go now. Nine days for Christmas. It's a week tomorrow. Uh, no, it's less now. A week tomorrow is it Saturday, isn't it? Or Sunday? No. Sunday. A week on Sunday. Yeah, week Sunday. There's something I like about having Christmas Day on a Sunday and then yeah. having New Year's on a Sunday as well. Well, Lauren's birthday is New Year's Day. Okay. So it's always it's always awkward because yeah. New Year's Eve, obviously everyone goes hard, drinks, and everyone wakes up in a hangover. And I just kind of feel, obviously I've, I've been with Lauren for like, Oh, shit. 11, 12 years. <laughs> yeah. um, and every New Year's is the same. I just feel like I've got to make a massive effort to make her feel special because like it's like people have birthdays on christmas day yeah like it just must yeah, be shit like, you do? Yeah, and there's actually do? a lot of people i meet like so many people with birthdays on christmas day yeah i say and, so many like three or four well yeah i've i've got one of my old uni mates birthdays on christmas day and then also new year's day lauren's like the well now it's like the fourth person i know yeah got birthday on. maybe because it's like cold and wet well no march april like quite a nice time of the year isn't it so you wouldn't think there'd be a lot of people sort of, sort of battling down <laughs> yeah, but they they say like and, and me and Sophie want to do this plan for like a September or October baby that's when it'd be like the optimal yeah. time yeah but then, well there's, there's that like I, I can't remember if I read it I always I always say that I can't remember if I read something I normally I would have read something somewhere I, in your it's head it's somewhere in my knowledge and I'm like a sponge <laughs> I absorb knowledge but um, 
there's a massive proportion of professional football players that are born between September and yeah. February compared to <clears throat> March to August. Like, massive um, variation in favour because if you're born earlier in the school year, you tend to be more confident because you're the older in the year. So, you can, like, when you get to the age, you can drive sooner than everyone else, you yeah. can drink sooner than everyone else, yeah. you mature even if it's a few months more. And it actually directly linked to more like professional athletes who are born in the school because, years. But then, and, and you're also starting school with almost a year's more yeah. life experience, yeah. right? Because like some, some kids start like the, the rising fives, they start at like, you know, they're like four, year, four years old, 11 months, whereas someone could be starting school at five and a half years old. Yeah. Like Marla's yes. born in February, for example. So she's like in the middle of the school year kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, there must be there must be a science to it. I, I've um, I don't know if you read the same thing in the Outliers book by Mar- Malcolm Gladwell. I think I've, it's. I've book. never read that book, so I don't think I've read it. He talks about I think it's American ice hockey players. Yeah, some American sport, and it was like the the professional athletes that disproportionately have like January February birthdays. Okay, because the trials would start. Can't remember the details, but basically, if you're born in January, you've got almost a year's advantage yeah. over someone who's born in December. Right. Okay. So if you play that out, and obviously kids start taking sports seriously at what five, six, seven. Yeah. So you play that out across the ten years before they go pro. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like so the trials. Yeah. So when the trials there to be spotted to get into an academy or whatever it may be. Yeah. If they're if they're two seven year olds, but they could be 12, 11 months apart. Exactly. So actually, one's nearly eight. And there was something like 80% of professional athletes had their birthdays in like January or February. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if you are born outside of September, October, like it's cool, like no worries. When no you, when's your birthday? Your birthday's like December, isn't it? I'm March. You're March. Yeah. I got that wrong, and don't I? blame us, blame your parents. Anyway. <laughs> I'm November, so yeah, I'm, I'm, in, November? I'm in that three month category. Yeah, nice. Which probably nice. talks a lot about our character. Yeah. Very confident. <laughs> not, we're, not, we're not young men anymore, are we? Yeah. yeah, somebody had described himself as, oh, I'm in my mid to late 20s the other day, and it got me thinking, like, oh, I'm in my late 20s now. Mate, I'm in my early 30s. <laughs> You're in your early Considerably, 30s. Considerably, like, I'm 33 next year. So, so when's the cutoff then from, like, young man? I feel like 30. I think 30 you become... But then you still... I still feel the same as I did at, like, 23, 24. I don't feel any different, just I spend more on bills. <laughs> and I've got a little that's, I've got a little child to support and a wife but other than that nothing's changed don't you find though like that's always been the case through life I remember being like 14 and being like when I'm 18 I'm going yeah, to have my shit together. you do you count down and I really think like that that change from 18 to 21, 22 because then once you start your career and you start moving forward from there yeah. I genuinely think from like 21 to 28, 29, 30 nothing really changes okay you buy a bigger house you settle down with a partner, you know, normal trends. Yeah. We were yeah. a bit different because we had Milo quite young. Milo was 25, yeah. 24 when Milo was born. So our yeah. life changed massively then. But I think for most people, that 10-year window of early 2020, nothing really changes, does it? I remember I freaked out when I turned 22. I don't know why. It was for some reason, it was 22. I like... Yeah. Broke up my girlfriend, went to America, and like I was, had like a real crisis when I was twenty. <laughs> what a mid mid twi- mid twenties crisis. I don't know why. It that's just not, felt, that's not a thing. It man. felt really like eighteen was fine, like even twenty one was fine. But when I was twenty two, I was like, I'm not a kid. I went to live my life. Yeah, yeah. But you do, and then you get to early thirties, receding hairline. You know, <laughs> yeah. Have to go to the gym just to keep the fat off, not just to get <laughs> muscly anymore. 
Yeah. But it's all good. Such is life. Yeah. Such a, it could be worse. We could be like 40. Well, it's going to happen, mate. We're well, eventually, yeah. Episode 1000. <laughs> yeah. 40 year old, the 40 year old podcast. For, yeah. anyway there we go happy days right. so um, what topics we got mate I've got, I've got I feel like I've got some good topics for today I, I feel also, like I've got some really good topics actually. I also feel like we've this is the biggest gap like we smashed that episode one two three. mate I was, I was on the drive over here I was thinking exactly that because we did as you said the first three in probably the first like two week window we recorded three episodes yeah. and now it's probably been almost two weeks since we last recorded but, and I know you've had business on. I've been ill. Yeah, both been ill. But so much has happened since then. Yeah. We had our Christmas party. I think we recorded it just before our Christmas party, didn't we? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we, we said did. about going to London on the Saturday. So yeah. that would have been a Wednesday or Thursday. That would have been like early December, like first. It must, yeah, it must just, be over two weeks now. It was, the Christmas party was fun, though, wasn't it? It was good fun. Yeah, yeah really good fun. Yeah, Other than the hangover and then COVID. What time did you leave? Uh, we got picked up about... Half one from my mate Tom. Shout out Tom. Thanks bro. Um, drove all the way to London to pick us up. So yeah, one about half one. We, we got home about half three. Yeah. It's not even a bad night. But yeah, um, it, was, yeah, it was good fun, fun though, wasn't yeah, it? It was great fun. It was good laugh. Yeah. Good laugh. Bunga Bunga <clears> in there. <throat> Covent Garden. Great place. Good laugh. Yeah, it's fun. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, the first um, topic I had, I've got a few to run through. Um, but I thought we'd start, we've, we've spoke a little bit about it Um it coincided with us being on death's door, being ill, <laughs> not being able to move out of bed. The Harry and Meghan documentary Jeez. that came out. Jeez, yeah, yeah. So I've only seen... The, so the second three episodes were released yesterday, which was Thursday. There's the, another three? Yeah, there's, there's six episodes, isn't there, I think, in total. I'm pretty sure there's six. So we watched. The, I've watched the first three, you've six watched the first three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw the first three. What is your... What was your initial thoughts well, to I, it? I want to just, like, firstly say it has no impact on my life and I shouldn't care. Also, I'm, and like everyone, I was really triggered by it. <laughs> I, was, I was intrigued. Like, we've watched The Crown, which obviously I know is dramatised, but yeah. I, do, I do enjoy that sort of stuff. But I, lo- I, love, a, I love a little docuseries. And when it's people that, are, that, you, that you've seen every week or month of your lives yeah. in the paper. Like we grew up like that. Like Harry's only a couple of years older. I think he might even be the same age as me. Was he like mid 30s? He's a bit older than you. A couple of years older. Yeah. But even so, like, you know, I've grown up seeing him on TV yeah. from the day I was, I can remember. Yeah, same. And, and I just, my overriding feeling is just, I'm really sad that it's such, it's taken such a sour turn. Mm. And I, the older I get, the more I respect the royal family. Yeah. I like that they are, you know, I know it's not perfect. And I know, you know, people say, oh, taxpayers' money, whatever. I, I just like that they represent, like, traditional English values, yeah. values yeah. Christian country. Like, there's something about that. Yeah. You know, well-spoken. The Queen's English. Was English. Well, she's English, something you know what I mean. But they're like, <laughs> no, you know, I know what you they mean. They represent, yeah. like, so there's something that's good in that for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's a shame. I do and I don't. Like, yeah, they've talked a lot about, you know, revamping the royal family. I know Prince, well, King Charles, obviously, you know, I know the crown is dramatised, but he's always talked about revolutionising the way the crown is perceived and the yeah. way that the royal family is, is perceived in the public eye. You know, trying sure. to be self-sufficient, trying to be yes. less 
I think flamboyant with money. Obviously, they've you know they've got a lot of they've got a lot of money with all the estates they own and everything. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, they're there to represent, as you said, what is what is best of Britain. And yeah, I think it's so. a shame. I think it's a shame it's got built up into this. Um, I, I know some people are really, you know, either pro or or against what they're doing. I think I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure which category Piers Morgan fell into. Um, I think he was on the fence a little bit, wasn't he? Yeah, quite impartial. He doesn't have many strong opinions, no, does he? He doesn't, to be yeah. fair to him. But actually, watching it, um, my wife and I kind of disagree a little bit because she's watched it and thought, like, what are they talking about? I don't really understand. I haven't really seen anything that's like, wow. I totally get where they're coming from. Well, I'm the opposite. Like. The invasion of privacy that comes with the territory of them being born into the royal family, but that's that is the point. They're born into it. They've never asked for it. No, but then I also think William, Prince William plays the role perfectly. Yeah, he is the model right? prince, isn't he? And and Harry's always been the cheeky chappy younger yeah. brother. And Harry, to be fair to him, you know they they've been through a lot and uh, with Diana and everything. Yeah. I, I just don't like that... It, it seems to me like Meghan didn't really know anything about the royal family. No. She was successful in her own right. Yeah. And, oh, this is fun, a prince. Oh, nice, prince of England. And then, yeah. you know, and, and I don't think she understood and then really had enough respect for the mm. monarchy. No, I, I see that side of the argument. But at the same time, I think they, in the, in the series, certainly in that opening episode and a half where they talked about how they met and the the secret dating etc sure. i i do generally feel that you know they obviously they fell in love and and what's wrong with that yeah no, and totally. they've, they've had to forge out their own path yeah um which i i can only respect i yeah i i totally agree and it was nice actually all the footage from like when they met before everyone knew about mm. it mm. um and also yeah. i think i speak for most people when i say I think most people were happy. Yeah. Like Prince Harry's got this Hollywood girlfriend. Like yeah. happy days. I just it was it was, and I'm and I'm I'm looking forward to the next three episodes to see what really comes out. I think the institutional racism, and that's not just within the royal family, but I think us as white British can't really understand. You know, no. racism is obviously a very difficult subject to to discuss because. Yeah. Any any white person in the in the UK, I don't really have, feel has the right to talk about it because they don't understand. They haven't got the heritage of, of understanding what it meant. There's still massive parts of the history books missing. I talk about it obviously in terms of the slavery, etc., and everything to be stigmatised still, and for certain things to be said from the royal family against Meghan and and her child. I think was wrong. It did. Oh yeah, there were those comments. I mean, very small comments, but doesn't matter. And like yeah. the the, uh, the brooch that the uh, one of the relatives wore, signet like which was I think a symbol for slavery, or I can't remember the exact story of it. But I, th- I think the trouble is, and and it, it kind of when the uh, episode went back into the British Empire, yeah, and when they abolished slavery in the yeah. early eighteen hundreds, you know, I kind of thought like, is this appropriate for us to be? Digging into the British Empire like this from this angle, but then not not enough is said about it though. But I know it's past, and and obviously we've never you know the way the world is now that would never happen. 
well, no. certainly from, from us. I just think there's a line between like, are we just going to always be like punching ourselves in the dicks about what our ancestors did 200 years ago? Mm, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. And, and I, I do, I think if you look at the world, we have obviously moved on. Mm-hmm. Even look at the rhetoric from a royal family and how, inclu- I don't want to say inclusive, it's obviously not inclusive, but like, you don't look at Prince Charles and think, sorry, King Charles and mm-hmm. think, oh, he's a racist old boy. No. You know, you, you don't. But then, and, but then actually it might just be generational because, you know, we've all been there with a, an elderly relative where they've said something a bit like, oh shit, you shouldn't really say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he is, what is he like? Must be in his late 70s, yeah, early 80s. Yeah. It, it's a generational difference. Yeah. Where, but, and, and that's why I think people like Prince William, Prince Harry... It, the, the biggest shame I think with what's happened is if they again we're not in their position we can't really sure. see what they're doing but if they just weathered the storm for what as as things move on and Prince William becomes the head of the state you know eventually he'll be king yeah and having Prince Harry and Meghan and their kids it, it changes the perspective of the royal family for the better yeah absolutely absolutely and all they had to do was hold on like what's King Charles got 10-15 years yeah, like, he's not got. He's yeah. not in the best of health, from what we've heard, anyway. So, and then it looks completely different. Yeah. It looks more modern. Yeah, and I don't think really anyone. I, I don't. I find it really hard to believe anyone has a real problem with the color of Meghan's skin. No, I, I just I generally don't. I just, yeah, you know, and and I think the relationship between the royal family and the media. Mm-hmm is obviously the problem here, same as it was with Diana. Yeah, uh, but that's never going to change because, as I no. said, they, as they made reference to in that, in that documentary, they feel, the British media feel they have the right to yeah. cover. There's, there's some sort of agreement, isn't there, which we're never going to know about as, as, as mere mortals, but, you know, it's an interesting one. I, I really enjoyed it because I love a docuseries. Yeah. All, I, I'm pro Harry and Meghan to do whatever they want. Great decision, yeah, and fair play to them for for making making us not making a stand, but living their lives. Don't you think it's a shame though to, for it to be so sour? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's it's the right. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's 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 got it's, they've got their faults, but I'm all for them. I think it's great if that's if that's what they want to do. Look, yeah. he's not going to be king. He doesn't really need to <laughs> to do it. Let's be honest. He's got like four yeah. in a row, like. You know, William and then his three kids. He ain't going to be king, is he? Well, Ever. And I, I thought that as well. I thought, actually, you know, when you take a step back, you think, actually, Harry, you're not that important. Bro. Yeah. He's a I mean? senior royal. That's fine. And his, obviously, you know, the Duke and the Queen dedicated their lives to serve the country and the amount of things they did. Good for them. But the country's changed now. And maybe you don't necessarily... I mean... William's got enough kids, so they can do all the senior stuff. Yeah, whenever they can't, they? yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah, the way so they want to live. It'll be fine. Yeah, but the um, thing is, I think it'll be more and more. I mean, there's been, you know, the, the royal family's been shrouded in controversy for for many, many years, as uh, as seen on the crown, um, and various things have happened. And yeah. this is just another another chapter in the royal family's history. Yeah, and there'll be more in ten years' time. There'll be more controversy. On something else. Yeah, something else will happen. Little and George is going to do something, you know, wrong at a party. Yeah, and uh, it's going to happen, Yeah, isn't the it? media's going to be jumping on him. And actually, I, one thing I did think watching the series, I thought, I wonder if Harry and Meghan will last. You know, because if, if they don't, I hope they do, 
if they don't, that series is going to look really silly. Yeah, I think they will. Like, I think they. I genuinely feel like they are a team, and yeah, it seems. Well, that did happen quite quick. Like from when they met to married to now, like it's only been like four or five years. Yeah, twenty seventeen, wasn't it? And and all of you know, if they settle in California and their new life mm. away from the monarchy completely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Well, they set up for life now, aren't they, with the old book deals and you know Netflix. I think they got paid like a stupid amount of money for it. Yeah, I mean, money's never going to be a problem. No. It? Yeah. No, it's not. So indeed. yeah. Anyway, in, another thing that annoyed me, I think it was in the first episode where it's like all of the stuff about Meghan and being from like downtown LA. Yeah. And all of this, I'm like, it's not like Harry just went on Instagram <laughs> and found some bird like who was a yeah a waitress in. A, in a fucking Denny's in America. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like she was. No, she's a like was, professional, yeah, you know, award-winning actress who did a lot for charity. It was made out like yeah. this is just. This and she random. was great on suits as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and so everyone knew her. But it's it's not like if she if she wasn't someone in her own right, Harry wouldn't have known about her in the first place. Yeah, and it would have never happened. Yeah, and also because she was someone in her own right, I think. It sounds to me like she looked at the royal family and just thought it's an extension of Hollywood. Yeah. Like, oh, in the UK, they just have a royal family and it's just like Hollywood is yeah. here. So that I think so much more, it must it? be such a, must have been such a shock for her. Yeah. Um, and she says, there's that scene when she's like, oh, American people will understand. It was like, uh, uh, they have like, uh, like mock, not mock ceremonies. She was like, uh, you know, when she imitated the, curtsy she did to the queen yeah i can't i can't i remember it yeah i kind of remember it she was like american people like reenact medieval stuff fine so it can't be that difficult and and yeah and it just must have been sh- yeah, that, was, that was quite a funny scene actually when she said like when harry said to her you know it's curtsy don't you and she's like yeah yeah sure he's like no seriously you you need to i need to bow to my grandmother and you need to curtsy to her yeah it's like a thing but, and she but, was like Re- really really but as as someone like Megan, when you're from Hollywood and you know nothing about yeah. the royal family, yeah. you know she must be like. We well, only know they only know what they see in the press, especially overseas. That there there has to be a part of her though that thinks I'm Meghan Markle. I don't have to curtsy for anyone. Like, no, I, I, I disagree with that. I don't. Know. I think everyone. Maybe she wasn't. You know, she wasn't aware. But she. I don't think she's that sort of person where she's. I'm this person. Uh, yeah. Not in an ego sense, just in a sense of like, it must have just been so alien to her. Yeah, no, I agree with that because why, you know, you don't do that normally, but they did. There we go. Anyway, I'm, I'm interested, I'm looking forward to the final three episodes and see what goes yeah, on from there. Yeah, I am. And as I said, it has no impact on my life whatsoever. Absolutely. It's just good TV. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, um, what topics have you got to discuss? Uh, what do I have to discuss? I've been viral a few times on TikTok have recently. Have you? I don't know if you've seen that. I, I haven't. You I've seen, no, I've seen a couple of I saw one, that post that went quite big, like 440,000 oh, yeah. views. Yeah, well, I, had, I was sat um, at McDonald's the yeah. other week yeah. having a 99p mayor chicken. <laughs> and I... This big spender, you. I know, right? <laughs> Closing those big deals. Um, and I, it was when I, was, I sat down, I was eating, I realised there's classical music blaring out. Yeah? Have you ever seen that at McDonald's? No, I haven't. I, don't, I never, I might very rarely have McDonald's, let alone sit in there. It was so peaceful. 
Was it? And they had classical music blowing out the speakers. And yeah. I didn't even cotton on until I'd been in there like two minutes. Wow. And um, so anyway, I made this like seven second TikTok of me just eating my burger with this classical music on the yeah. background. Yeah. What, was the, what, was the, what was the catch line? Caption was um, uh, McDonald's blasting out classical music to keep the youths away is, <laughs> is such a vibe. I can't remember exactly yeah, what the yeah. was. Two well, and a half million people have seen it. We'll put it on the screen. Two and a half million views. Two and a half million views. My man. <laughs> Two and a half million. Mate, you need to put a link back to the Limb Room Chat podcast and that. <laughs> off the back yeah. of it. Wow, yeah. so you, you've gone full viral. Because what, like, vi- I would say anything. I've had a couple of, like, 25,000, 30,000 view videos. Yeah. Which, for me, is, like, my peak at the moment. And I know you've had a couple of hundred thousands, but... Yeah. Two and a half million. It's just crazy. And then I, I, I posted it and I think the next day I woke up it had half a million. Yeah. And then in the space of an hour I watched it go up like a hundred thousand people. Wow. And I was like, that's a whole Wembley Stadium's yeah, worth of yeah, people. Yeah. Amazing. Two and a half um, million. But I, what's so interesting about it is I I post loads of shit and I don't think about it. And this was another one of those videos. Yeah. And it's always the stuff that you don't think about and you don't yeah. put any time into. We talked about this before, like those those videos where we spend like an hour prepping for them, half <laughs> yeah. an hour recording, yeah. half an hour editing, and you get like two hundred views. Yeah. Or the case. or the eight second oh well, look at this, look what I'm doing. Bang. Yeah. Straddling reels and thousands of views instantly. And it goes off. Yeah. yeah. And what I love about TikTok is the conversations that starts in the comments section. Yeah. So, for example, that McDonald's video. You're going to put a clip on, are you? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll put, put it a up. clip on there yeah. so we can see it, yeah. And the. Started off a whole conversation about hostile architecture. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> you know, and like what, you know, do young kids have a right to hang out at McDonald's or not? Like, does McDonald's have a role to play in like hosting the young people? And it's like. It starts off all of these like yeah, nice. social and political conversations. Love which that. I thought was quite funny. Love yeah. that. Cool. Um, so a little plug for at the Reading Agent on plug. TikTok. I'm actually I, I missed to sell your home. Oh, I missed to sell your home, aren't you? Yeah. Why did you go to the Reading Agent? Was you you'd already started TikTok I don't before? No, to be honest. Yeah. I, I wanted the Mister Sell Your Home for all of my socials. Yeah. I think it was taken on Facebook and Instagram. Right. So you switched yeah. it to the Reading Agent, yeah, yeah. which is fine. So Which is cool. That's what it is. Awesome, awesome. Well, here comes first segue of episode <laughs> four. Because my next topic does loosely revolve around social media. Yeah. And it's a three-pronged topic. And I'm really interested to hear your vibes and your thoughts. Social media, the old, the age-old um, chat of who's the GOAT, Messi or Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. And then into okay. the World Cup final. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, okay. And the reason I want to talk about it is obviously off the back of Argentina and Lionel Messi making the World Cup final in yeah. what will be Lionel Messi's last game at the World Cup. Yeah. He's already confirmed that. Right. He's in his fifth World Cup. How I, I want him to win it. He's 35 years old. Yeah. He's already said he's not going to play in the next one. Right. I don't think Ronaldo's going to play in the next one either. He's, what, 38 yeah, he's not. I mean, it wouldn't put it past him being forty-two year old, but I don't think the Portuguese coach or any coach for that matter is going to want him. No, he's he's not. No. The topic of conversation I wanted to bring up, and it it, lose, it follows on from that that um that chat on social media. There, like between the two of us, we probably got three to four thousand followers across our social media platform. It's yeah. it's not a, mostly yours, I must admit, but um, we haven't got a huge amount of following. Well, you, you look confused there. 
I was just trying to tally it up, but yeah, it's probably about right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how many have you got on TikTok? About 1,500? TikTok's 1,500. Yeah, I've got about 1,000 on, on Instagram. Yeah. I've probably got about 1,500 across all my platforms. Yeah. Personal and business. Anyway, we digress. Follow Ryan. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the description. Um, and the point I wanted to make about who's the greatest of all time. Yeah. And it comes on okay. social media because... And I'll, it'll, it'll, it'll reveal itself in a second. So, Lionel Messi, arguably the most talented and gifted player to, to ever grace a football pitch. Mm. Arguably the best. Arguably. I don't think he's going to, anyone been better before and I don't think anyone will be better after. That's my opinion. Ronaldo, on the other hand, quite rightly in the same bracket and conversation mm-hmm. as Messi, yeah. as Pelé as the other greats that have existed, but mm-hmm. for a different reason, because he's an absolute perfectionist, an athlete, yeah. and what he's done, the things he's won, the goals he's scored, yeah. is nothing short of remarkable. Yeah. And I've always been on the fence of who's, who is the best of all time. It's one of them, and I don't think anything else can be disputed. But the point I wanted to make is on the field, they both have traits, and solid traits at that. They could argue one way or the other. Yeah. Off the field, how Cristiano Ronaldo has conducted himself, in my opinion, over the last two or three months, yeah. starting with his fallout United, the Piers Morgan interview. Yeah. But what summed it up for me massively, and this is going to link back into that social media, when he lost to Morocco in that round of 16, or was it the quarterfinals? I can't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, he, he walked off the pitch. And there's the, obviously the film of that. There's the clips of him walking out, crying up the tunnel as he went into yeah. the changing room, and it's the fucking Ronaldo show. <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah. your captain of your country, Harry Kane, missed the penalty to put us out of the World Cup. Okay. Yeah. But he didn't walk down the tunnel crying and being a little bitch. He stayed on the pitch and he was with his teammates. He thanked the fans. He yeah. congratulated the French players. He had a big hug with Hugo Lloris. Obviously his club captain yeah. but he was on the pitch there and I think the way Messi's carried his team and been there he is an absolute hero for, for Argentina his, you can see it with his teammates you can see it yeah. with the fans and I just think the way Ronaldo and this is my social media plug half a billion followers on social media surely has a, a as a, a not a duty of care but a he has he has to conduct himself better yeah you lost to Morocco like, that is a massive shock. And it's his last chance to win the World Cup. And I get that anyone at that point would be upset and frustrated and angry of how things came about. The fact that he didn't start the game as well obviously wouldn't have helped. Yeah. But for him just to walk off the pitch and not thank the fans that have travelled halfway around the world, spent fortunes to go and support him and his team as the captain of his country, didn't sit right with me. You make a good point. And I hadn't thought about it. I saw him walking off the pitch and I going into the dugout and yeah. he was obviously emotional. Um, but my, my counter to that is, does that impact whether he's the best football player of all time? Yeah, so, it does. So what you're saying is, what you do on the pitch is a percentage of it and then what you do a off the pitch. A massive percentage. I think, for me, if I had to break it down, I would say it's 75% what you do on the pitch. Yeah, 15% about what you win personal accolades Fair. Per, uh, like yeah. team and then 10% how you conduct yourself off the pitch to be deemed and seen back in the history books as the greatest of all time 
I think Messi is now going to be that guy. If we look back in 15 years' time, um, the, you know, who was the greatest? Like, it'll be Messi, and then there'll be Ronaldo and Pelé. See, I've, I've always backed Ronaldo in the Messi. And I Ronaldo. must admit, I have as well at, at times. Um, I remember the 2014 World Cup, and, and also, we don't see Messi. I don't see Messi, and it's not a match of a day. Like, I don't watch like, Spanish mm-hmm, football so mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't see him as much, maybe, which is why I've maybe always favoured Ronaldo. But I remember the 2014 World Cup, watching Messi with Argentina, and thinking, I, just, I didn't think he had many good games. I remember thinking, okay, and then he's always been at Barcelona, so mm-hmm. he's always been in a good team, safe yeah. environment. Yeah. Whereas I see Ronaldo, and it's it's really clear how hard he, how much he applies himself. Yeah. And then he's also succeeded everywhere he's been, mm-hmm. which I think shows that it's him, the individual, not the team around him. Obviously, since then, Messi's gone to Paris, and I understand. He didn't start well. Like there was that whole, the whole thing with with Ronaldo coming to United the first year, and, and uh, the same year that uh, Messi went to uh, PSG. Yeah. And I think after ten games, I think Ronaldo had like eight goals and five assists, and Messi had no goals, one assist. Yeah. But I no, I, I hear what you're saying, but I just I, I don't. I've never I've seen games where Messi's been like out of this world. Like in uh, over his career, over such a long time, they both have. Yeah. But I think if you try and sum them up at the later stages of their career, you can't judge their whole career on the last few months or years. No. And true. I agree. In the World Cup 2014, Messi, like Argentina, weren't very good, and they had a terrible team, and Messi didn't play well particularly. Yeah. And you'd argue that the first couple of games this tournament, but yeah. looking at the what you're yeah, watching him in the masterclass that he provided in the semi-final, yeah, it's Croatia. I know they beat us in the semis a couple of years ago, but yeah. they're not. They should, didn't didn't deserve to be there. Sorry, beg your pun. They deserve to be there because they were there <laughs> on merit. But Brazil should have been in that. Yeah, it should have been Brazil, Argentina, really semi final. Sure. Um, yeah. But he did fucking boss the game. Yeah. And in the and the round of, in the quarters he was awesome. Round of sixteen he was decent. Like he's played. He's grown into this tournament. This is Lionel Messi's tournament. Yeah. And I am. I really really hope that Argentina, Argentina win it. I don't want France to be back-to-back world champions. No, and they knocked us out. And they knocked us out, yeah. yeah. We, that, I mean, let's be honest, it should be us in the final, shouldn't it? Like, to dominate a second half. Do you reckon? Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah. I, I think if, uh, yeah. Well, Obviously, I, I'm still in shock. that and yeah, I've settled down now a week later, but I'm still in shock that he missed that second penalty. Same, like, same. I, because Lauren, Lauren kept shouting at me for, uh, we were watching it together as a family Lauren kept shouting at me for getting angry at the TV and I, and I literally sat when he took the penalty I was like right I'm not, just not, not going to cheer I'm just going to go yes and then he went, and he went over I was like that, did that just happen? Uh, yeah, I, I even waking up the next morning I woke up you know when you've just done something wrong the previous day <laughs> yeah. you're just playing on your mind you wake up and think Bottom fuck of your did stomach. he miss that? Yeah. he did miss that didn't he? Um, gutted for him. The, the only consolation is Harry Kane's a Tottenham player. That's the only consolation I can look at. What did we need though? One more penalty? Two more penalties? Because the argument was it was you know the ref was on the French team side. Yeah, but... I, uh, yeah. I mean, I must admit, I was I was absorbed so much in the game. I don't really, I didn't. I mean, obviously, the first the goal that France scored was a clear foul on Saka. You know, and that should have gone back. But it, it's happened now. Yeah. I just think the way we played in that second half, it was. We lost on the day, but 
it, it wasn't one of those performances where we went out that we were just terrible and we deserved no, right. to go out. No, you're right. And it, it still hurts, but I'm I was I was I enjoyed the game to an extent. Obviously, the result was disappointing, of course, but I, they played well. I the second half they played well. It was really heartbreaking for me. The first 10, 15 minutes, they were all over us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, here we are. Yeah. You know, we finally... One nil down. You know, and then, yeah. put us in our place. Yeah. Because on the first podcast episode, you were super... Yeah. You said quarters, didn't you? And I said England get to win it. I was really like, I don't think we're going to do that well. And then I was like... We can do, do this. It. We can yeah. do it. And I said about Harry Maguire as well. And I think I thought Harry Maguire had a good yeah. tournament. Uh, yeah, and then I felt like first half I thought France put us in that place, and then for us to come back in the second half and then still go out. Yeah, I know. Well, they had they had like two or three shots on target, didn't they, in the second half, and they scored one of them. Like they went that little. We were all over them in that little spell where they had two shots in a row, and then obviously Giroud. Did you, it was Giroud that scored the winner, wasn't it? To be honest, I was making whiskeys yeah. throughout the whole anymore. game. To be honest, by Definitely. the time we got to eight six minutes, I'm looking for. I didn't watch the uh, the France Morocco game. I watched the Argentina game because I, I wanted to watch it, but I, yes. I wasn't interested in watching France-Morocco because I just kept thinking, oh, it should be us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm looking yeah. forward to the final, and I am not sitting on the fence. I 100% want Argentina to win. Like, absolutely, I will be cheering them on. Yeah. Despite I, yeah, the Falkland Islands issues. Yeah. There's no issues, is it? <laughs> yeah. But that would have been an awful... Imagine Argentina-England final, how good that would have been. Yeah, if only. If only, if eh? Only. If only. So there we go. So that was so my yeah. um, three-way topic. Yeah, interesting. Um, should we talk some property stuff? Yeah. I know we had the last episode was um, just flat-out estate agency chat. Agency, agency. Well, but I've done a couple of live... I did I did two live chats yesterday on across social media. I did one with a broke financial advisor off the I back. I saw you, yeah. Yeah, with Adam Davey, part, off the back of the interest rate rises. Some really interesting stuff that came out of that. And then I was on the live avocado partner chat last night as yeah. well. Similar context, talking about the market, talking about interest rate rises, how that's going to affect the market. So my understanding then, so the base rate went up yesterday and we're now at 3.5%. Correct. My understanding is this has been anticipated. It's the worst kept secret for the last two weeks. They, everyone knew the interest rate was going to go up. So... The mortgage lenders have been expecting a rate rise. Yeah. And so most of that is baked into their products already. Well, yes and no. So um, this, is the, this is the point I raised with the, with the broker, Adam Davey. Um, the reason mortgage rates spiked so much off the back of the mini budget mm-hmm. was because of the volatility that it created in the economy mm-hmm. and the swap rates. So the money that the, the rates that the, money, the banks borrow money to, to lend yeah. went up and it wasn't it wasn't they weren't sure where it was going to set which is why rates hiked to six yeah. six and a half percent that swap rate has settled down and they know where it is now yeah so the Bank of England raising the interest rate has no direct effect on mortgage rates because the swap rate is what affects mortgage products yeah so the rates are going to stay the same Adam thinks they're going to drop um, continuously throughout next year so we should be sub four percent again by Q3, Q4 is what he's predicting. But they're between four and a half, five, five and a half percent at the moment. Sure. But the swap rates only went crazy after the mini budget because Because the, the, the economy went into turmoil because yeah. all of like, well, we're gonna we're gonna cut all of this, all of this product, we're gonna cut all of the was it debt, we're gonna cut um it's taxes, we're all this. Free, yeah. And how are you gonna how are you, and how are you gonna afford that? 
Uh, oh, we haven't really thought about that. The magic money tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we planted some money trees. That was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well done, Quasi and Liz. Um, but that, and that's what sent the sent the um, the the background economy into into turmoil. They didn't know which way they were looking, um, and that's what caused the hike in, in mortgage rates. So rates at the moment are somewhere between four and a half and five percent. Yeah, um, uh, up to five and a half. Adam was saying. Where where does he see them settling? So he thinks between four four and a half percent is going to be sort of the the average, um, but throughout next year, dropping below four percent is well on the cards. And a lot yeah. of the lenders have made so much money over the last two years. As of first of Jan, a lot of them their 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 lending targets start again. Sure. So they're yeah, running yeah. A, a business like anyone. They have targets yeah, to hit yeah. to lend money, and they he was saying they, a lot of them want to you know position themselves to be attractive for people to genuinely want to use them rather than just as the best deal sure and the best way to do that yeah. is put those best deals out because i have noticed actually there's there just doesn't seem to be as much competition in the mortgage market no and like you say i think maybe banks they've hit the targets chilling yeah i think it's difficult for us i, I always i always made a thing obviously quick disclaimer we're not financial advisors so please don't take any advice from us seek professional help do your own research. Do your own research. Speak uh, speak to Adam Davey or whoever you use. What did you yeah. use again? Uh, Dom, the money guardian. Dom, Dom yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah, nice nice chat. Um, lost the drift there. Uh, what was I going to say? Completely forgot. Mor- mortgage market. Um, predicted rate rises. Bank Banks targets. Banks targets, yeah. Uh, no, it's gone. Completely gone. <laughs> That's the first time um, it's happened in the podcast. I've literally lost my good, train mate. of thought. It's the informal kind of vibe we've got going That's on fine. here. But, um, but why I did my disclaimer, I was so passionate about the disclaimer that we sued <laughs> that I forgot what I was going to say. But we'll move on. But yeah, I think mortgage, the mortgage world is going to stabilise. And yeah. with that, the, the, the property world will as well. I read an article yesterday about uh, property market next year and pro- top line prices are going to come down, aren't they? Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. I think everyone kind of, there's consensus that's going to happen. This article was saying, though, if unless we have the flood of stock to the market, like you've talked about before, mm-hmm. we could enter this quite stale period where people are not willing to reduce the asking prices enough to get sold, yeah, yeah. The buyers aren't willing to pay enough, yeah. To, to they're not willing to accept the asking prices, so we kind of enter this kind of stale yeah. market. On the flip side to that, and which I tell a lot of my sellers at the moment, if there is a lack of properties, and there still is a lack of properties available, mm. if there's a lack of properties coming to the market, then that's only going to enhance competition yeah. from buyers. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, there's always, and it's one of my favourite sayings, you, you know what I'm going to say, but there's always that, always the chat, is it a seller's market, is it a buyer's market? It's never either. Yeah. But the seller controls what market it is because if they price their house too high, it's a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. If they price their house undervalued to create competition, it's a seller's market. Yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a real simple equation. Yeah. Like, as long as you market your house correctly... Price it at value or slightly below value to stim, you know, to stimulate interest. You're gonna sell super quick, and enjoy it. As I was speaking with a seller this morning, and I sent them the report from Rightmove showing how many clicks there's been, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's thousands and thousands of clicks. Mm. I said I can't believe how many people look at the advert, mm. and I don't think people don't understand the attention that there is on the property portals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we both know. 
if you put an attractively priced property on the market, whatever it is, whatever yeah. condition, whatever location, yeah. if it's attractively priced, even if the marketing is mediocre, people are going to see it. Yeah, yeah. And um, that speaks in its own right. Obviously, with our... There's a there's a website behind Right Move called Right Move Plus, which you have to be an estate agent to get access to, and it's basically our hub for controlling our properties on Right Move. And obviously, under our company brand, although we're individual estate agents, we're all on the same brand page. So there's a, at any one point, there's always what maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty properties available. Yeah, I wonder what it is. I don't yeah. even know how many. I mean, we sell quite a lot of them. Let's say a hundred. But when you put a new listing live, it goes straight to the top of the page because it's done on the seven-day average of how many views you've got. And the amount of times you see houses, they're at the top for a week max because after that, they're sold. Yeah. But the ones that go in and they don't reach the top straight away from the initial launch and they're stuck around the mid-range average views, they're the ones that aren't getting the interest. And it's normally for one reason and one reason only, and that is the price. Simple as that. We say it all the time, don't we? You've got one chance to make a first impression when you go on the market, and that is so important to get right. It's crazy, though, and I think you know everyone spoke about this. Like, I've got, I'm going to list more houses in December than I did in October and November put together. <laughs> yeah, which weird month for you? Yeah, it yeah. is. Like you obviously, we, when we when we met this morning, you're like, oh, I'm looking forward. Just I've got loads going on, but I can wind down a little bit for Christmas now. Yeah, I'm flat out next week. I've got <laughs> a listing in Newbury on Monday. Got a listing in Lower Early on Tuesday. I've got two other properties that are potentially come back to me. For getting live on Thursday, we've just done that listing in South Reading. Mm. We'll be going live over the weekend, so yeah. I've suddenly got five, six, seven properties that all want to go live between Christmas and New Year. Man, I'm going to be flat out in January. I think I need to book some open houses in. Actually, thinking about it. Well, there's also uh, you know typically it's a quiet period. Yeah. But for you, you're obviously really busy. So I think there's something for us as you know single individual businesses where yeah. you know the market is kind of more around us individually like yeah we're less focused on trends yeah and more just about like i think i think the volume difference so when you know i've worked in some big town center offices where you needed like the the office needed to list 30 properties per month so one a day yeah just to just to keep things moving as it should do yeah and when we're talking numbers of listing two three four properties a month and if we sell two or three we're we're really comfortable and that's perfect because it means yeah. we've got time to spend with our clients. And actually, I haven't, you know, we've worked really hard, obviously, but I haven't got the pressure of listing 30 properties a month. So no. listing three the week, the couple of days before Christmas and getting them live and doing viewings between Christmas and New Year, I've never had that. I've never had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I'm really excited for that and being there for my clients every step of the way. I think it's so nice, mate. And I think um, we, like you say, an office having to list 30 properties a month just to keep the doors open, you're incentivizing different behavior there. Yeah. Whereas it's listing, it's getting the house on the market, fuck by, the price. By any means necessary. Fuck the fee, fuck the client's motivation, just get it on the market and tick a box. And this is what I say to clients is I'm not, I'm not dictated to by a target set to me by a boss. Yeah. I'm here to get the job done for you. Yeah, and give you the right advice, truly right advice, not advice I've been told to give by someone else. Yeah, exactly. and that, that is that is in a nutshell sums us up, I think. And because ultimately, if we give the wrong advice, right, it's our problem. Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. Know, if it doesn't sell, it's my money going into marketing. It's my time doing the viewings. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, there's no basic salary if yeah. I'm giving the right advice because our interests are perfectly aligned. Yeah. I want to get it sold because I need to, I want to get paid and I want to do a good job for you. And the best way to do that is give you the right advice to move it forward. And it's going to help you in the long run rather than telling yeah. you necessarily what you want to hear. And that might be even pricing on evaluation. It might be when to reduce the property. It might be what to do on viewings. But yeah. the advice we give is sound and it comes directly from us. There's no one else involved in it, which I think is a real, really nice position to be in. How are you feeling about next year? Because I'm almost anticipating it's going to be really difficult to get sellers to accept the market's changed. Yeah, it, it will be. I mean, I'm fortunate, I'm fortunate, whichever way you look at it. I really like my, I built a nice little pipeline of sales going through up probably eight to 10 weeks ago. Yeah. And a lot of it should have gone in November and December. And for various reasons, nothing's happened. Mm. So I've got loads of completions that are going to, probably five or six properties that will complete in January. Yeah, and that's nice. going to give me a nice little cash advance effectively for the four or five months just to focus on getting properties on the market and giving the right advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think and what's, what's going to happen is the market's going to find its feet. And I think January, yeah. February, March is going to be busy with new houses coming on the market. Because I think if what we said is correct, that interest rates kind of come down and settle somewhere around like 4%, maybe yeah. a bit below, all of a sudden... It's the new norm. Yeah, all of a sudden it's not so doom and gloom mm. and yeah, people can carry on moving. And I think they will because there's always, we, we, you know, we, I think we said it in the last podcast, there's always people that need to move, whether they're upsizing, downsizing, job yeah. relocation, death, divorce. There's a lot of divorce files in January too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to book a valuation? What's the reason? I hate so, my husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've spent two weeks with him over Christmas and I'm done. Good for you, girl. I'm sure it's his loss. Um... <laughs> I no, I always say that on evaluation when when the when uh, when someone phones up and books a books a separation evaluation. Obviously, it's a, it's a it's a difficult situation. It's impossible to. It you, is. You and as soon as they say, I was like, "Are you the sole owner? Yeah, I own it with my ex." Oh, so, you, so is it for the divorce? And they say, "Yeah." I was like, "I'm sorry for your loss." I'm, I was saying not that they've died. That's sorry for that. I'm sure it's their loss. Yeah. And every time, no one ever says, "No, actually, it's 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 definitely my yeah. loss." Yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm definitely worse off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, no one ever says that. How do you find? Um, let's talk about divorce sales. Yeah, okay. Because they are they're a part of their job, aren't they? And I massive, yeah. One of my first deals was a couple splitting up, and I, it was a very good deal for me to learn because I realised in every divorce sale, there's the party who wants to sell for rocket money, mm -hmm. and there's a party who just wants to get it sold yesterday. Yeah. 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 And often the person who wants to sell it for rocket money, he or she, is the one living in the house. Yeah. And the one who wants to sell it as quickly as possible is the one that's moved out. Yeah. Which is inevitable. I think the key that I've always found, I've obviously 15 years in the business, I've dealt with hundreds of divorce valuations and divorce sales. The key, like everything, is 100% communication direct with both parties. Yeah, because as much as they might be amicable or they might not be, they have ulterior motives. Yeah, often, and you say one thing to one of them, and it gets misinterpreted to the other one, and suddenly yeah. you've got them on your back. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I always make sure, regardless of who I speak to, I follow up every point in an email. Now, obviously, yeah. we I, you know got a WhatsApp group. It's an easy, it's an easy fix because there's never a breakdown in communication. So that's the key. 
but you've just got to manage it's having two vendors for the price of one literally you've got to manage both expectations yeah it's so true it's so true and it's um i think there's also i'm like let's focus on the deal mm. you know before we put the house on the market we agree the goal yeah is to sell it for x price yeah. I don't care well, about it's the very it's very I mean all house sales are very emotional but when there's that added um, heartache of splitting with your partner and going through a divorce as well at mm. the same time trying to sell a property like it must be horrible but at the end of the day we're not we're not like divorce counselors we're we're there to do a job and get the property sold yeah part of that is of course managing vendors situations naturally but at the same time like a lot of them get very it gets it can get quite vile in terms of the, the the conversations you have with people, you know, if they don't accept an offer, well, he, you know, he's a fucking lying bastard. And yeah. Like, cool. I don't need to hear about his seventeen affairs. I, I don't care. I'm sorry you've gone through that, but let's focus on the goal here. Get the house sold. It's awkward, mate. Because I, I find people are usually quite happy to overshare with us as agents. Oh, mate, they do. We're like we're like free therapy. Yeah. We literally are. And that's why I have to remind myself. No, like we're focusing on the deal. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Everything else is kind of not any. Whether it's just our natural way of being, the people we are as estate agents, we're very open. We we ask questions that people don't normally have to answer. That opens them up very quickly. Yeah. That's a, that. It, it's a skill that we learn over time of how to. Yeah, I suppose because right. we need to know the seller's situation so we yeah. can best advise them. But it's not very often. I think about this quite a lot. Imagine just opening a, opening the door to a stranger. Okay, you might have seen us online on a video or you might have spoke to us on the phone and booked an evaluation, but you're opening your house, your safe place to a complete stranger and within 10 minutes, often you're telling them all about your lives, yeah. why you're moving, kids on the way, don't like them, you know, whatever it may be. And you're t- you, for an hour, you tell them everything about you. Yeah. There's not many places you wouldn't walk into a coffee shop and just start chatting to the bar, uh, the barista, barista yeah. and within an hour you've told him your whole life story. No, exactly. It wouldn't happen. And I found that when I first got a mortgage, I was like, this mortgage broker, I only met him the other day and now I'm telling my income, my expenditure, yeah. everything about my life. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah. and hopefully with the way we work, it's, we're breaking down those barriers. Yeah. Because we need to know what's going on to give people accurate advice. That's right, and you don't. I mean, we're not saying you tell us everything, but if there's quite a key component that's going to affect something to do with the sale, we a hundred percent have to know that. I've had one. I had a deal um, a little while ago where the seller said to me, "If I don't get X price, I'm not selling." Mm. So I'm doing the mar- doing the marketing, doing the viewings yeah. on the basis that if we don't get X price, he's not selling. Yeah. Turns out that he needed to sell it. Um, he ended up having to consider lower offers. Mm. But I'm like, he told me mm-hmm. this was his bottom line, mm-hmm. so I was working on that basis. Mm-hmm. So he ended up losing out. Yeah. Because he wasn't taking my advice when he needed to take my advice. Yeah. Telling me something... That know, wasn't really true. That wasn't really true, yeah. and ultimately he suffers for it. But then do you, like, in that instance, would you, did you ask, like, or? Well, what do you need that price for? Like, is it just a case of you want to get that price? Or do you do you have things you need to pay for and you need that price to make it happen? You know, because there's, yeah. more, there's more questions you can ask. And if, if, they don't, if they don't tell you the truth, then how can you help? Well, exactly. And it's like, oh, if I don't get X price, I don't need to sell it. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then it turns out you do need to sell it. Yeah. 
the thing is, no one puts their property in the market on a whim. No one, no one just goes, oh, fuck it, we'll see what we can do. No one does yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone puts the house on for a reason, whether it be a, a, a genuine want to move or a need to move or a financial reason or you've been forced to sell it. Yeah. No, my, one, no one sticks it on the market for a laugh. My first year in property, I spent so much time listing houses which were never going to sell. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's the, the beauty of, again, coming back to the start of this conversation of where we work now is we can, we can pick and choose within reason. Yeah. If someone says, I don't really want to sell, I just want to go on at that price and it's you know 10% over what you valued it at and it's a shithole house in a shit road and you know it's not going to sell. You can yeah. turn around and say, do you know what? I'm not the agent for you. Yeah. I'm like, I wish you the best luck. I'm not, I'm not here for you. Yeah. I'm not going to work. Well, we're not going to work well together. Whereas when you're on the high street and you're working for someone else you're like, oh, cool, yeah, no worries. Sign here, press hard. Get the contract signed. Yes. Walk back in the office. Yeah, got a contract. contract. Oh, well yeah. done. Well done. New listing. Yeah. We're actually just going to waste people's time. Yeah. And that's pointless. the beauty about what we do now is we can hand pick and select the clients that we want to work with that work best with us. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's the best way of doing business. There was another, um, one of the partners rang me the other day and said, oh, there's a house in your area. They got in touch with me. Yeah but they only want to work with an agent at 1%. And I was like, well, immediately, I'm just not really yeah. that bothered because if the only thing they're worried about is price... Then they're not going to, yeah. Before I've even met them, before I've done the marketing, before I've spent the money on the adverts, etc. if they only care about price, you yeah. know, I'm investing six months of my life. Yeah. Um, so, you know... And I think, I think from know. us, you know, I had this, the, the house that I'm, I'm going out to see on, on Monday, um, it was a... He called me from one of our... He, put a post on Facebook and it was loads of recommendations for Avocado and he called me direct because I'd sold houses in this area. Yeah. And uh, first question he asked is, I've just been on the market, um, what, I'm looking for a new agent, what's your fees? Hmm. I was like, cool, well, first of all, thanks for calling us, but there's no point in me telling you my fee because that's, gonna, that's not going to help you move house. I need to know your situation, what's going on, I need to come out and see you yeah. and talk about it. And then, people think it's a sales tactic to mm, yeah. get a higher fee kind of is but it's not because how can I if I just quote a fee one and a half percent and there's agents quite a one percent or less mm. and they're looking at just the numbers well I'm gonna go with the cheaper one but once you spend an hour with us and we talk about what we do and everything we do marketing wise and how we're there for them etc etc at the end of that conversation if they don't want to pay one and a half and they want to use a one percent agent absolutely fine because they've got the facts to make a decision yeah, but at the end of the day, you, how can you possibly base a uh, a, a uh, fee directly relating to the service you're going to get? You can't do it. Yeah, well, it's like without we, knowing the service. Like we said in the last podcast, half a percent on the sale can be lost just yeah. like that. It's like calling a builder up and say, "I want to get an, ex I want to extend my house. How much is it going to cost me?" Yeah, and then uh i don't know what is it single double story what, you know, how long do you want to do it yeah the time scales yeah, yeah. and you call three builders no one's going to price an extension for your house without seeing it because they don't sure. know what you want and it's exactly the same for estate agents i'm just thinking back and i reckon the clients where i've been the second agent are more appreciative of my work yeah no i i agree with that yeah yeah i've sold a couple of touts that have come on the market from other agents where they've been let down yeah. um and yeah absolutely and they pay the fees are normally better because they've experienced low quality crap mm. 
and to pay just and it's not huge amounts more as we've said before it's you know it's probably like 0.01% of the property value that you pay in difference of yeah. fee. It's not a lot. <coughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's worth it. If you're going to get the right price and get moved, then, you know, what's a couple hundred quid or a couple of grand? It's, it's, it's worth it. And I reckon people generally don't realise how long a property transaction takes. And people think about fee when they're meeting with the agents. Yeah. And then they, they sign up with an agent and they kind of forget about fee. Yeah. Because then you, you're into the marketing and the yeah. viewings and the offer and the sales progression. Yeah. And then the fee comes up again when the invoice comes through. Well, the biggest, obviously, the issues with um, the most complaints happening in a state agency always surrounds communication, mm. um, terrible marketing, lack of quality, whatever it may be. Mm. No one ever complains that someone's charged me too much. Yeah. Because if they charge you too much, and then you complete, you're not going to be you're not going to be pissed off. No. So no, it doesn't people, really make a difference. People don't. Yeah. yeah. Whereas it's the only thing people focus on. Oh, make sure you get the right fee. Don't pay too much on the fee. And it's such a backwards way of looking at things. I reckon if you ask the average person what do you want from your house sale, ninety nine percent of people are going to say to get the most money. Yeah. But then I reckon if you were four months into a transaction. And you ask people again. Yeah, say, well, that's you've, a very interesting point. Yeah. Say, well, you've got, you've got a half a million pound house, right? And you can have your half a million pounds. Yeah. And there's a fifty percent chance of it going through. Yeah. Or you could have four hundred ninety grand. Yeah. And that buyer's going to close in thirty days. Yeah. Which one would you go with? And I, I think without yeah. understanding it, most people are going to say, "Oh, well, well, ten grand—that's a huge amount of money. I'm going to take the ten grand." Yeah. But then four months into that transaction, when it falls through, you're just like, give me four ninety, and I'll be done with it. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Now it is. It's funny how things change, and obviously we take it for granted our knowledge and experience of the market, and and how and people's emotions moving forward. Because you know we forget yeah. that a lot of people only do this once every five to ten years. Yeah. Whereas we're we're dealing with it three, four, five, six times a month of getting to that point of moving house. Yeah. So it's a massive. Yeah, we dealt with thousands of transactions. So uh, yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's, it's easy to um, to forget. I think the the motion at all. Cool. So done with the state agency chat. Yeah, man. For a little bit. Yeah. Until next time. Yeah. Um, I thought this is probably going to be our final podcast before Christmas. Yeah. Bear in mind it's nine days away, and I'm flat out next week. We might squeeze one in before. We might do, but what are you looking at? I was just panicked because I haven't. Put that clock back. Now so, over and over, actually. So I thought it was, uh, I thought it was half twelve. It's half eleven. So fine. Fine. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fine. Okay. Um, we're gonna cut that bit out as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll maybe. See. It's we'll all see. in the edit. Edit again. Um, anyway, close to Christmas. Probably we're not gonna do a podcast before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, Matt Barrel, what is your favourite thing about Christmas? I I really enjoy the. Um, Christmas music these days because I used to get really annoyed by it. I don't know if that's my favourite thing about yeah, Christmas. Yeah, man, that's a really, like, that's cool. A, that's that's like, lame, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's really, really lame. It's not... <laughs> that's really lame. It's definitely not the presents anymore. Nah, I, I agree with that. There's an age you get to where Christmas presents go from being exciting to being stressful. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know when that transition happened, but it definitely has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was talking to Sophie the other day, and we were just talking about Christmas presents. I was like, can I just give you my card? <laughs> you just buy what you want. <laughs> um, That's a cop-out. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I'm all about the experiences now. So, Lauren, as I said, Lauren's birthday is just after, uh, obviously a week after Christmas, yeah. New Year's Day. So, um, Christmas, we've agreed just to do very small 
like one present. She's asked, she told me what she wants. I've told her what I want. Like twenty five quid done. Yeah. But birthday presents experiences. But but anyway, so it's not about presents. So you still haven't answered the question. What's yeah. your favourite thing about Christmas? Let me go again. I I think I really enjoy that per- period now between Christmas and New Year. Yeah. Because I've every day is like a different part of the family. Yeah. And it's quite coordinated. Yeah. And it's like you know it's kind of like a, a just a. It's nice. You, you get to see you're everyone. You're eating, you're drinking, you're seeing yeah. people, and yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably my favourite thing. Cool, um, mate. For me now, it's just it's just the Christmas dinner. Yeah, like I, I lit that sit down for the meal with everyone around the table, pour your crackers, and you just dig in because you don't really eat, do you? Like we have uh, we have a tradition. We have like um like salmon and stuff and champagne yeah. in the morning, and then you like sort yeah, of yeah. have a little snack about half one, two o'clock. And then you sit down for food about Love three, it. four-ish, and then it's, it's amazing. Do you cook? Um, I, had, I did last year. I cooked yeah. the whole roast dinner, a uh, whole, whole Christmas dinner. Um, this year, I've been tasked solely with roast potatoes because okay. I'm a king at roast potatoes. All right, let's talk about that quickly. Okay. <laughs> well, we ain't got like well, 20 like, minutes to uh, talk me through well, the process. Because I, I was scrolling through TikTok as I do, and there's yeah. these roast potatoes. And I was like, Sunday, we're having a roast. And yeah. I made these roast potatoes. So, parboil, shake yeah. them up, get them a bit fluffy. Get them a bit fluffy. Yeah. Heat the oil. Yeah. Make sure they're covered in oil. Yeah. Basically, I figure the key is to just the more. It's pretty oil. much that's my step by step process you've named so far. So, go on. Yeah. So, the more oil, the. the it's all about oil, and do you know what the biggest thing for me is placing them in the pan, in the in the in the tin correctly. I use a glass bowl now, like right. a big, like a, a long like glass oven tray, but never put them flat down because ah. they stick to the bottom. Yeah. So always put them on the top, and then you garlic, uh, garlic powder, onion powder, yeah, yeah, um, black pepper, and then obviously oil over that. They go in for like fifteen, twenty minutes, and then you take them out and you flip them over, and then re-oil them more garlic more black pepper mine always take quite a long time so I'm... mine like 55 minutes yeah okay it's not the end of the world yeah I'm... mate I'll um oh my phone just, I, I'll show you after <laughs> we'll put it on the screen my most recent roast potatoes where yeah. I did roasted parsnip and roasted carrots as well mate, oh roasted. so that's what I love about Christmas but I also it's not Christmas because it's the day after but the Boxing Day football I thought you'd say the Boxing Day sandwich. But no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, no, better than that. Boxing Day football. Yeah. So we've got some big games, obviously. My team, Arsenal, oh, kick off 8 o'clock on Boxing Day against West Ham. Okay. Your team, Reading. I don't think they're not playing Boxing we're Day, are they? We're on the 27th. I don't know who we're playing. It's just, yeah. It's Swansea. It is Swansea. Reading, yeah, Swansea, 27th, right. yeah. yeah. But that pales into insignificance when we talk about the mighty Kingfishers. Thatcham Town... <laughs> are playing Uxbridge on uh, 12.30 kickoff on Boxing Day. I will be there, um, and I'm really looking forward to that. Because it's just going to be good. Have a couple of Guinness, nice. watch the Kingfishers. Nice. Should be, uh, we're, we're not doing too well this year. We're 17th out of 20 in the league. Um, Imagine it, Boxing Day, 17th in the league, going to watch Fatsham Town. Yeah, man. That's, That's dedication, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, when you're Lionel Messi turning up, you've got all the crowds there. Imagine going into Fatsham Town. Imagine those players. Like, they're going to turn Mate, they, we, the get, they, we get like between 100 and 150 people <laughs> yeah. most games. So but I guess just, you must feel more part of it then. Yeah, yeah. you do. Like, you do. Like, you, like, you generally do. Like, when you're cheering the players on... Like you, you got your first. You call him by your first name. <laughs> yeah, go on, Greg. <laughs> yeah, they're literally. Yeah, well done, Skip. Or yeah, because he's captain. 
I can't remember his name, the captain. Um, Richie. No, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a good game. So my mate Tom and I are probably going to go there. Cool. And whoever else wants to come. I know you're away. I want yeah, to invite we'll, you. Next year, though, we'll catch you. You should come to the Thatcher yeah, Town game I, on Saturday. I like the idea of like proper it's lower cool. league. It's like, good. Yeah. It's good. And as I said, it's four quid a pint, half time. That's Get a couple of Guinnesses in you. these days, isn't it? Sorry? That's these days. That's, that's cheap. Yeah. yeah, really. Well, good value. <laughs> yeah. I think it's cheap it's good value yeah. yeah so that's what I'm really looking forward to so Christmas dinner Boxing Day fixtures and just seeing my family love it not so much love the it. family but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um, yeah man Christmas is here first first year in business so it's um, yeah. happy days happy days first of many first of many I know cool. you've got to shoot off for an appointment haven't you soon so yes. should we finish up with what you've been watching our uh, traditional segment yeah Wait, right. do we need to do the jingle still what you've been watching? Da, 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 Boom! There we go. I want to show you. I'll have to cut this and, and pull it up on a computer. Have you heard of Eddie Hall? What the um? He's a he's bodybuilder, well, weightlifter, well, strongest, man. strongest man. Yeah, yeah, I know Eddie Hall. Yeah. So there's this video which I'm gonna put on the screen now. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I reckon this guy's gonna call the police, but I honestly don't care. He deserves this. That guy's gonna regret doing that to me. He has a tank somehow. Of course he does. Oh my god! He's <laughs> not done too much damage, has he? Well, are you going to go again? I think I might go over it again. <laughs> so I didn't actually see that video. Yeah. The first video I saw was this one when he gets arrested. But what have I done? You're saying, you're saying I've run over a car, I'm saying I haven't. Okay. We need to take you down to the station to question you, hear your side of the story. However, we do have witnesses who did see you run over a car. Are you going in the back of this car or are you going in the back of a bar? No, I haven't done anything. So what, what happened then? Well, basically, I was going to the gym, M Club gym, just down the road. And as I was pulling in, this guy cut me off, gave me the middle finger, swearing at me. And then I was driven to the car park, he drove in a disabled spot, called me a load of names, saw me go myself and whatever else. And then I might have accidentally run over his car. So you admit that you did run over his car? So we've got to arrest you then. It's as simple as that. Now we have to arrest you. We've got you admitting that you run over a car with your tank. It's my accident. <laughs> Brilliant. I yeah. just think that's so funny. No, if you're in no. a tank, yeah, you know, you've yeah, got to be not? able to uh, throw your tank around sometimes. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I've got um, one to show you as well for my what you've been watching um i'll give this guy a little plug his instagram handle is ask vin e with an h on the end his name is vin um you're getting sponsored by any of these people no yeah, i feel I'm like you're always throwing out there no i do sponsor let me get him up quickly and then we can um think right he is a um i would cast him as a motivational speaker but he's also he's a coach a uh, voice coach okay and he does all these little videos he's got he's just gone over 1 million subscribers on on the gram it's fair play to him nice uh, my Instagram's not loading and I had the video ready to go but it's on my phone oh mate you on the uh... <laughs> oh I've got his name wrong that's why ask Vin search um, if not we have to find it on yours but yeah, anyway, he's um, he does these amazing uh, like tutorials and talks about how to present 
and how best to speak. And it got me thinking, I look back at my original first video that I did in, in agency, like yeah. it, back just after the first lockdown when we started getting yeah. into video content. It was my previous company. In fact, I could probably I've, I could probably put a clip on and show you what it's like. Right I'm just stood there like really awkwardly with a shaved <laughs> head. Hi, I'm Ryan from Prospect of Winnesh. Got a couple of new houses coming on the market this week. One of which is this delightful detached house located just off the top of Arbor Lane. But then this guy really kind of sums up like if you want to talk properly to people, some of the stuff he says just makes so much sense. Um, I can't get it up though. Let me rephrase that. I can't get the <laughs> Guy up. <laughs> what am I typing in? Um, ask Vin H. There we go. Top guy. Oh, I've Vin seen Gering, this yeah. guy. He, this let me, guy. Let me scroll down to video quickly because. Um, and he talks about recording yourself. And yeah, that's just, him. But there's a really good one which makes so much sense, which I, I pinpointed I wanted to talk to or show you. Because what I will say is getting in front of the camera this is one. really uncomfortable. It is. And I was, I'm still not fully comfortable with it. I mean, this setup's kind of. I don't know how to do your Mac, mate. Wait, what's going on? I just double clicked it by accident. I meant to press play. There you go. Right, we're putting this on the screen. Yeah, I'll put this on the screen, yeah. My uh, vocal teacher. Before I became a speaker, I did a couple of years of vocal training. The first time I ever went to her, I walked into her singing room and she'd sit there playing one key nonstop. She goes, how do you feel, young man? And I said, oh, nothing, a little bit awkward. And then she played this beautiful song called Romance. And then she goes, how do you feel, young man? And I said, it's actually quite sad. <laughs> she goes, Vin, most people don't realise, but they go through their entire lives speaking like this. I'm going to teach you how to speak like this. It's $75 an hour, she was. It's ridiculous. Um, it's ridiculous. I gave her a lot of my money. But, but here's the thing. She goes, Vin, there are no words to the melody that I just played. Yet you feel inspired. Inspiration comes from melody. There's an underlying world of meaning that lives under melody. So basically yeah. what he's saying is there's so many people that just talk monotone, yeah. never change the rate, never change the pitch, never change anything. And actually how you speak can change the way someone feels about what you're saying. Yeah, and I and see I, that. I love that. More. So yeah. I follow him now on, on Instagram and he, he just came up with my algorithm just randomly. And I, I, he, I watched one video of his and I thought, yeah, this guy talks sense. Yeah. And it yeah. does make, I look back now, and even just doing the podcast and the videos we do and the live content, Yeah, I look back at some of my original videos, even six months ago, and there'd be lots of uh, it, uh, yeah. thinking. But I now, I, I very rarely do it. Like You don't realise until you've got the camera on you, right? Yeah. Well, we've got cameras on now, and I, I wouldn't necessarily think I'd stop speaking. But one of the key things I took from him is when he's speaking, and, I'm, and I do it now consciously and it's becoming second nature, but when there's a pause or when you're thinking about what to say, you pause rather than going, um, uh, yeah. so I wouldn't go, um, so yeah, it's, uh, you, know what, you know what I'm trying to say, don't you, Matt? Yeah. Uh, but now I, Matt, you know what I'm trying to say, don't you? And it just sounds so much more clear Absolutely. technical. So I think the biggest thing I've taken from him is don't replace erms with pauses and everything you say becomes far more powerful. I love that. And you can slow things down. You can actually take that pause yeah. and not have to fill the silence all the time. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you don't need to speak continuously. A pause is, is as good as it is because people, 
if you're talking about something they're interested in, I'm doing it purposely now, <laughs> but they're engaged, they're hanging on for the next part of what you're going to say. I remember, um, obviously, we talked about my band days on the podcast before, and I remember it was always the case when you'd, when I was on stage, I could feel like I was giving 100%, but then someone would show me a video, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't look mm. as 100% as I felt like it was. Yeah. And I think it's the same time, same thing, when you're on video, mm -hmm. you can think you're being quite animated and engaging, and then you can watch it back and you're not. So, yeah, I think, fuck, I was boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's um, just, he talks about, I mean, I urge you, to, uh, not just the fact it's my watching, but do do follow him on, on Insta. Yeah, I'll take a look. Um, I'll follow him on the Living Room Chat podcast, so maybe you'll follow us back, I don't know. He's got a million followers. But, yeah, um, I saw you follow some people on the Living Room Chat podcast. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> Gary Neville, Sky Sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing to do with my personality. <laughs> but feel free to jump in and, and add people. Yeah, I thought yeah. it's good just to get a few things because, you know, I like having the different channels we've got now across our social media platforms. I mean, I've got, I've got four Facebook pages that I run now or manage <laughs> yeah. and three Instagrams. Yeah. TikTok's your thing. I just go on there and just follow. TikTok. Yeah. Got a post, man. So you get two and a half million views. TikTok algorithm. Also, on the TikTok algorithm, it's fully about how long people watch the video for. Yeah. So I can have like a video that will get 300 views, no one's watched it. Yeah. But if people actually watch it, that's when you get the. It goes crazy. Yeah. It goes crazy. Anyway. Fair play. Cool. Should we uh, wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Episode four. Thank cool, you, man. everyone, so much for watching or listening or whichever way you've done it. Just a quick plug, as we said before. We're live on Spotify. All of our um, episodes are straight on there. We're on YouTube, across the social media platforms. The link in the description will take you to every single one of those if you want to. Please like and subscribe and follow and listen preferably as well, but definitely start with a like and follow. Anything else to add on that, Matt? That's it, man. We've got to go. We've got Excellent. to go. We'll see you in the next one. And we're also going to get some music as well. We need to work on that over Christmas, some like podcast music and stuff yeah. like that. But as in what background for the podcast? Or? We'll like for like to put over right now where it goes ding, 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 ding. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. Nice one. Thanks, everyone.